Hello and welcome to The 100 Podcast. Zed and Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today we are starting our retention series. Retention deadline day is 16th of February and we're going to be looking through every single side before that point to see which players they should be keeping around. We're going to do a podcast for every team going through their retentions for both the men's and women's side. Now we've got the exciting new women's draft structure in place. Today we're starting with everyone's favourite 100 franchise the welsh fire and we are buzzing charlie nothing better than starting off a podcast series focusing on the hundreds finest i will be very honest when we were discussing this when in the planning stage ed said to me which team shall we record today to start off with and my answer was let's do welsh fire let's get it out of the way because let's be blunt it's been a torrid couple of years to the welsh fire in both men's and women's hundreds Pretty much everything possible has gone wrong for them. It's been very, very difficult, both for them as players and coaching staff and for us watching, to be quite frank with you. So draft time is always a big opportunity for them to potentially revamp, refresh and come out stronger. Historically, that's not been the case, but maybe this year it will be the year. So let's see and let's get into what we think they should be doing. You never know, I think, is the is the way of looking at this. Yet again, the Welsh Fire have an opportunity to turn things around, both on the men's and women's side, because they've both been terrible. Let's start with the men's side, because there's a lot to get into here. Last year, I think we kind of both agreed that the Welsh Fire went about their off-season and their draft pretty well, and it went completely wrong. Um, They brought in Joe Clark, Tom Banton, Adam Zampa, David Miller, Nassim Shah, Sam Hain, Jacob Bethel. We thought there were some good pickups there. Zampa and Shah never played. David Miller was out of form. Clark and Banton couldn't score a run. Neither could Sam Hain. And Jacob Bethel struggled in two games. So just just an absolute mess. And it, it means that yet again we think they're going to get rid of a decent amount of players, Charlie. So before we get into who we have picked, let's identify what new head coach Michael Hussey and the Welsh Fire team have to work with. We know they've got Johnny Bairstow on the central bracket. If they can get him to play, great. But let's talk through the real building blocks you have to franchise. Starting with England's Ben Duckett, who we're going to keep around at 100k, I think we both agree that Ben Duckett's worth keeping. He had a decent tournament last year, done well for England, adds a point of difference to the side. It just feels like the kind of player that if you're looking at making a functional T20 100 team, you want to keep around. 100%. He's one of the better domestic players in the game, particularly in the middle order. Very good player of spin, which is particularly valuable. Very good at hitting square as well, which you might think is counterproductive because obviously the Welsh Fire play at Cardiff, which has very wide square boundaries. But in a way, I think it actually makes a lot of sense because you want to have players who are good at hitting square to take advantage of the fact that it's so big. And Ben Duckett is very good at doing that. So, I mean, it makes complete sense. Also, to be frank, when you're a team like the Welsh Fire who haven't necessarily had the amount of domestic talent as other sides, it makes sense that you want to lock down what you do have and make sure that they stay. So Ben Duckett at 100k for me is a no-brainer. Now, I'm I'm not a full believer in this 
let's have players who can run lots of twos on the big square boundaries. I much prefer the idea of having a massive six foot six man who can whack it over the whack it over the river taff. But that's what we're dealing with here. And I, I agree. I think what Ben Duckett adds is a point of difference. Left-hander in the middle of order. I think he's worth keeping around. And if you're keeping him at 100K, he's going to be at round four for us. That's the end of round four. So again, it's kind of like keeping him at 75K, which is the benefit. So I think it's worth doing. The other player we're keeping around is Joe Clark. Now, Joe Clark was a disaster last year for the Welsh Fire. Eight matches, eight innings, 102 runs, high score of 37, average of 12.75, strike rate of 93. Just an absolute mess of a tournament. However, there is T20 pedigree here with what he's done for Nottinghamshire, what he's done for the Melbourne Stars, an explosive top-order player, potentially someone you can you can pair with Johnny Bairstow at the top of the order. I think, despite how badly last year went, given the options you have, you probably need to keep him in your squad. I think you do. I think, like you say, the other options aren't particularly compelling. And yeah, last year wasn't very good for him at all. But he is a very good player. There's no doubt about that. One bad season doesn't make you a bad player. His record historically has been very, very good. There's no reason why that would suddenly change now. Maybe Walsh Fire is just a curse. Maybe he himself was a curse. Well, he probably is that. But that's not the point, right? I think either way, Joe Clark is probably worth keeping for another season. Tom Banton got two cracks at the whip last season. I think it's only fair that Joe Clark gets another one. Yeah, and we're going to get rid of Tom Banton. Um, he's one of the players who goes. So I think at that point, you have three building blocks, right? And they're good building blocks. Uh, Johnny Burstow on the central contract, uh, Joe Clark 125K, Ben Duckett 100K. You could move Joe Clark down to 100K. I think it's probably fair. However, due to the snake system, you would effectively be robbing him um, 25K just for the opportunity to draft Tamim Iqbal at the 125K range. There's no real benefit in doing it. So you're going to keep him there. Those those are an, an opening partnership which would be dynamic and really difficult to bowl to and a really good middle-order operator. So you've got something there. In terms of other players, uh, we're continuing to retain Jake Ball at 75K. Jake Ball's a good operator, I think, with his height, um, his ability to dig it into the pitch. He suits Sophia Gardens quite nicely as a bowler. I think in general, his record's fine. He bowls a lot at Trent Bridge. It makes it look slightly more expensive, but he takes wickets, which is you know key in the 100 and T20 cricket in general. And I think he suits that ground well. So even though 75K seems a bit steep, given the availability of the seamers, I like Jake Ball there. At 60k, we're keeping Lewis Deploy. We'll get onto that in a moment. 50k, keeping Matt Critchley, who's uh, playing for the Melbourne Renegade in the Big Bash at the moment. But you know, all round the balls and laggies, that's useful. George Scrimshaw, Jacob Bethel, also in there at 30k. Before we get into the other players, Charlie, let's talk about Lewis Deploy because there was a conversation here. We were kind of debating on which of the batters to keep between him, Ollie Pope and Sam Hayne. We didn't want to keep all of them because we felt like the squad needed a refresh. So it kind of came down to this debate on who we'd keep. I think after quite a lot of thought and consideration, we've decided to go to Lewis Deploy. It's funny how some of the most average players are the ones that end up provoking the most discussion on this podcast, but that has happened here. We were leaning towards Sam Hayne for quite a while here. 
because he's a right-hander, which is slightly different from Lewis Deploy, but he's also more proven currently than Oli Pope as a T20 player. However, I think we've changed our minds and we've gone towards Lewis Deploy, and that is in part because his recent form in the SA20, and to be fair, his recent form over in England in 100 and Blast over the last season or two have been pretty good, better than his career record would have you think. Also, when you look into it a bit deeper, he is actually surprisingly well-suited to Cardiff and the Welsh Fire. He's a very good straight hitter, and obviously Cardiff has very short straight boundaries. I think at first our thinking was that, do we need another left-handed, kind of vibey, sweep-favouring left-handed batter when you've got Ben Duckett there as well? But when you look into it a bit deeper, he isn't actually as similar to Duckett as we initially thought. And I think with that in mind... You can just feel having the two. I also think that when you're Welsh fire, you just have to keep the most talented players you've got. You've got to work with something, right? And there isn't much else. So Lewis Deploy, I think, is currently the most talented and proven of the three options we have there. So I think him at 60k makes sense for this side. And there's a lot of debate here. I think there's lots to like about Sam Hayne in general. I think he's he's shown to be a better T20 player. Recently struggled in the 100 last year. You kind of wonder, given how much he struggled, whether they just want to cut bait, move him on, bring in some fresh blood. Because Lewis deploy has been okay for the Welsh fire in general. When you look at his statistics overall, he's been fine for them. He's played some nice innings. Welsh fire just haven't used him. And I do think there's a conversation to be had on whether Lewis deploy actually wants to go back to the Welsh fire. Because they have kind of screwed him over a bit, batting him lower down the order, realising towards the end of the season he's one of the better players, then promoting him. Whereas actually he deserves a spot on that side. Again, in the SA20, he's been good. Averaging 83 across eight games. There's four not outs there. I don't take away too much from that. However, he's played some really nice innings. Struggle at 142. He's looked pretty good overall. And that's, you know, not the highest standard competition, but you know, he's he's looked very good. And we've gone on a bit of a journey with Lewis Deploy overall. This podcast is a weird journey with Lewis Deploy. First of all, I was defending him. Then you were defending him. And now we've suddenly we seem to go. Kind of, find our way from this bitter war that's happened over Lewis to We've both changed sides multiple times to just think he's a perfectly good player. So you know what? At 60K, we'll put him in the middle order and let's just roll with it because let's be honest, there aren't too many other options here. Matt Critchie, I think, is a, is a good player. Keeping him at 50K, I don't think either of us have an issue with that. I think... Part of this, part of what this team needs to do is make sure that George Grimshaw and Jacob Bethel can offer something next year. But at the very least, at 30k, it's not that big an investment. And they are two players who we rate, who we rate pretty well. Um, and I think could could develop into something in the future. And that's what they're doing, by the way, with Scrimshaw and Bethel, really. Uh, they, they were players they were bringing in for the future. So even if they didn't have sparkling returns this year, if you're investing last year in the future and bidding them off this year then your evaluation is completely wrong or you don't believe in your evaluation. And either way, that's no way to live. So overall, I think this is just kind of the best there is. And I realise that's not a ringing endorsement of what we've done, but I'm not sure what else we could do, really. There's no point keeping players that you don't think are that good. That's the whole point of a draft, to get someone better. It might not fall to them. They might not get opportunity because those good players might go earlier. But what's the point of not trying? You've got to let go of the players that you think you can improve on. And I think we've done that. I think we've got some players here that are pretty good players. I don't think they're necessarily world-beating players by themselves, but 
with some canny drafting, I think this could be something potentially. But then we did that last year and look yeah. what happened. But you, you can only work with what you've got. You can yeah. only work with the players that you've got. And I don't think you're going to get much better than this, in all honesty. You could maybe argue a few points here and there. But on the whole, I think this is what it is. David Payne, I'm slightly torn on, but I just don't, I'm not completely sure that he'd accept low enough money at this point. I don't know. His 100 record the last couple of years hasn't worked. I kind of feel like he needs to go to a different franchise where I think he could have a bit more success. Just hasn't looked good. And I don't think you can keep a player who struggled the last couple of years around on the kind of price brackets that a David Payne would be looking at. So I think that's the only kind of other quandary. The other thing, actually, I think maybe is we did consider keeping Ish Sodi, actually. Um, the New Zealand leg spinner, potentially around 60k, but I think we just kind of decided on leaving that just to give us another draft spot. Um, but I, I like Ishsudi, but I, I think the more draft spots you have here, the more work you can do. And you could RTM Sodi back pretty easily around yeah. that point if you wanted to. Chances are you fall back to it at 60k anyway, or you just get someone you think is better. But he's a decent player by all means. and he would be a decent retention for them if they did choose to do that. So the first overall pick in the draft is available to you. What we believe will be the seventh overall pick in the draft from our retentions will be available to them. And then you're picking round five, round seven and eight, round 11 and 12. So realistically here, you have, with the amount of players that we think are going to be retained at the 100K mark, three premier picks to try and turn around this franchise. I think if we're looking at retentions, at least by having those premier picks, which again, we think are first, I think we think a seventh, and then 10th overall picks and what we're thinking here, those are those are three of the top 10 picks and those are three premium picks. So it's at least an opportunity to bring in some marquee players and try and turn this around. Absolutely. And those might be overseas. They might be domestic. We're not sure what they're going to do here. I'd be looking at a couple of domestic players potentially here, try and lock in the talent if it falls to them. We don't know who's going to be released, but some of our predictions and projections here suggest that there might be a couple of genuinely very good domestic players coming up here. So that might be an interesting route for them to go down. However, did that last year, didn't really work for them. So they might want to go overseas and that would be fair enough because there's some interesting overseas availability this year as well. Either way, they will have some early picks and those early picks really ought to be going on some high-quality players because if they get it right, that could be a really good building block for them. Yeah, I think you do. And look, there are some really good players that are going to be available. I, I do think if you nail things, you get the right players in, I think that you could make this team work. It, obviously, it's difficult to know without retentions who we'd go for. Um, so I don't really want to start discussing too much about potential players you could bring in because you just don't know how the board's going to fall. However, on this one occasion, I'm going to make an exception because the Welsh Fire have the first overall pick. They're on the clock. They know that pick's going to be available. They know it's open to them. <laughs> At this point, I think there are, uh, there are a number of options there, but I'm really interested in Marco Janssen. And the reason I say that is because I think having an all-rounder of his quality could make a real difference to the side. If we're looking at high-impact, high-value players of that slot, 
I really like Marco Janssen. Their tall left arm, a point of difference. His bowling needs to improve in T-Swinny cricket, but he's, he's got the pace, he's got the height, he's got the X factor with the ball. I think he made that work. And you watch him with the bat, and the man is destructive. I mean, he took, he took Rashid Khan down, um, absolutely obliterated him recently um, in the SA20, playing for the Sunrisers versus um, MI Cape Town. He just looks like the the full package. And I, I really don't know what to make of the SA20 yet. However, just the all-round package that Marco Janssen provides really intrigues me. He's young as well. There are other players out there, but he's on my radar in terms of first overall pick. Is there anyone you're thinking initially, maybe of the overseas players who might be available, that you might be that they might be thinking about? Well, I, I wonder if they're thinking in terms of availability or in terms of we're just going to get the best player mm-hmm. available and if he's a, if he's missing a week, I don't care, we'll work with that. Because if they're thinking availability, then they're probably going to be looking with Sri Lanka and New Zealand are the two teams that we think have full availability for the 100. So maybe they'll be looking at some of that. So maybe they'll be looking at those guys. Potentially a Trent Bolt might come into play there. I know that the ECB are quite keen to get Trent Bolt involved. That doesn't necessarily mean the Welsh fire will be. I don't think he'd be my first pick either, if I'm honest, but that might be what they're thinking if they're looking at the availability. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't know if you can go with Trent Bolt. I mean, I like Trent Bolt, and I think he's probably a 125k pick somewhere. But if you're the Welsh fire and you're really considering how to turn this franchise around, I love Trent Bolt, but I mean, Marco Janssen's that package. Let's go for a young start. Let's go for a guy who can be a star. And is I think South Africa's availability is fine. It's not complete, but it's going to be fine. And I think also if you're looking in Marco Janssen for the future, and by the way, I think the SA20 organisers can be pretty keen to keep the 100 happy and keep the ECB happy, to keep their players playing in the competitions. There's loads of England players playing there. And I imagine they'll probably be quite keen to have the likes of Joss Butler staying there. And if there's a bit of quid pro quo, maybe we avoid the SA20 a bit for England tours or you know, South Africa maybe avoid touring during the 100. I just think there's, I think there's something there about South Africa's future availability as well. So, yeah, we don't know the direction they're going to go. But the point is they have options open. And as we said last year, I think they can turn this around. I just think they have to go a, a very different direction to what they did last year. Because as we saw, if you swing hard on your two top picks, neither of them can hold a bat the right way around all season. It's not going to work for you. I, I totally agree with you. And I think backing that young, high upside talent is absolutely the way to go. I just wanted to raise the possibility that availability was going to be their number one priority here, which for some teams it has been over the course of the tournament. We don't know what Welsh Fire are going to do going into the season. Of course, they've got new management coming in in the form of Michael Hussey. So we don't know what his priorities are going to be. But if that is the case and he wants availability, then he may well go down the New Zealand or Sri Lanka route. If not, then Marky Hansen's a brilliant shout. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because New Zealand and Sri Lanka are two very good cricketing nations. I'm not sure they have between them a genuine T20 stud at the moment, other than Wanindu Hasaranga. And you'd think that the Manchester Originals would really want to keep them around. So it's interesting, really interesting in how they go about this. Look, we've, we've talked about the players we're going to keep around. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot, do a lot of mock drafts, do a lot of discussions pre-draft about how things are going to go. What's your optimism level for Welsh Fire turning this around? I wouldn't say it's overly high just because I've seen how they've redrafted in the past and it's looked really good on paper, but in practice, it just hasn't come together. However, Michael Hossey is absolutely a pretty exciting appointment 
I don't know how it's going to work out in practice, but in theory, it's an exciting one. There isn't a huge deal of quality in our projected retentions here, I'll be honest. There's not as much as I would like, but with a good draft, there is absolutely the potential here to make this a decent side. I don't think it's a side that necessarily could win just yet, potentially, but it's a side that definitely could be a lot closer. So I think there is reasonable hope if you're a Welsh Fire fan that you'll be more competitive this season in the men's 100. Yeah, I think there is optimism. I think what it has to be is those three marquee picks have to be two stud overseas and a stud domestic player that needs to contribute all season. And, and you you need you just you need those pieces to fall into place. So I am relatively optimistic, but they've got to nail those marquee picks. And for the Welsh Fire, that's pretty much all we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks in terms of the men's side. Who's going to be the first overall pick? And who are they going to pick up in those marquee slots to try and turn this franchise around? So let's move on to the women's side, who equally have not been great. And to be honest, when we looked at the retentions here, there, there weren't a great deal of players that we were really desperate to keep hold of. I think the first name that we both had down as an absolute certainty beyond anything would be Hayley Matthews, just a class player who's, who's played pretty well for the Welsh Fire, probably been their, their best player and really their only quality player over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. The Welsh Fire are absolutely a team that want to have this draft more than any other because they are considerably lacking in that high-end quality when you compare them to the likes of Oval and Brave. This is a brilliant chance for them to try and regain some of that quality, bring it to Cardiff and gain some ground on those top couple of teams. And Hayley Matthews is absolutely the first player that you want to lock down here. She's still only 24, which feels crazy to really? me. I feel like, yes, okay. I know. It, yeah, it feels like she's been around forever, but she's still only 24, so she's still a pretty young player. You've got to build for the long term, I think, when it comes to these. And Hayley Matthews is a great place to start there. Lock her in now. Keep her long term. She's a brilliant all-round package, I think. Why wouldn't you want to keep Hayley Matthews? I, I agree. And I do think that, as you said, this draft's a good opportunity. Because remember, there are eight rounds in this draft. and The rest of the teams will be filled out in free agency. You can retain four players. Um in a slightly complicated system, we don't need to go into much now, but you can retain four and you have a right to match. So, you know, each team's going to have to let some really good players go. And there's lots of teams at the Southern Brave who can have some real issues picking who to keep. It does give the Welsh Fire a good opportunity, but at the end of the day, they have to know that the top picks are going to be there for some marquee players, but they've still got to lock in some leftover talent. I think Hayley Matthews is an absolute stud. We also are keeping Tammy Beaumont, I think, just for the experience, international quality. T20s aren't really Tammy Beaumont's game necessarily, but she's still a class operator. And I think at that kind of second 25k bracket, that's round three, round four, I think it's worth keeping her in there just for that experience and that international quality. And, and again, just another top order option who's going to give you something this year. Yeah, I think you want that kind of experience in the dressing room. And I feel like going into the draft, knowing that you've already got a player like Tammy Beaumont locked in, it gives you confidence going in. You've got that solid, dependable anchor there, the player who can bat through innings, really glue the whole thing together. She's not the most explosive player, probably is never going to be at this point, but that's fine. You know what she is now. She's very good at doing that. Build that team around her and Matthews in the top order. And I think you've got a really good start there. Tammy Beaumont can captain. You've got that nice top order locked in already. Good place to start. 
I think it's also a leadership thing, right? I think when you're a, a franchise that struggled, you need players to rally around. Something actually kind of concerns me, we didn't touch on about the men's side in the Welsh Fire. Don't really look through the players we retained, and I'm not, I'm not really sure who's captaining, who's leading that franchise personally. This way of going about it, you have Beaumont and Matthews, two studs who could be captain, international experience, lots of leadership, just, just players you can learn from, the young players that we bring in can learn from. I think there's so much benefit to having both of them. And I think that experience, that that leadership, that kind of veteran quality almost, is I think the reasons why we kept the other two players that we did. And we've also kept Alex Hartley projected in round six. That's 18,750 quid. And then we've also kept Fran Wilson in round eight. Now, I think there's probably a, a conversation about whether Fran Wilson accepts that, but I, I think it, it really depends on where her head's at with that, what, what she thinks is going to be the value in the draft. And I think she might go higher in the draft. But but for now, let's just say we keep it around eight. Both of those players, whilst they're not in England's plans at the moment, have played international cricket, have performed well in big moments for your know, domestic side and on the international stage. Just feels like that experience again is really, really crucial if you bring in a lot of new talent to this dressing room. Yeah, look, I don't think either of these players are necessarily elite domestic players at this point in their careers, but they're both pretty solid, dependable players. And when you're a side of like Welsh Fire, who don't necessarily have the vast array of domestic talent as some of the other sides here, you've got to hold on to what you do have. I think, especially when you've only got four retentions to play with, you mm. need to make sure that you're locking in some reliable, dependable players. And Wilson and Hartley are both that. I guess you could raise the issue that Wilson's form recently hasn't been brilliant. She has been going through a bit of a lean patch recently. He hasn't scored many runs for quite a while. In fact, I think she only got one score above 11 or so in the last 10 innings, which is not brilliant. But she's 31, which... Honestly, like, still got years to go. Mm. Only playing for England a couple of years ago. Like, it's not that long ago that she was playing national cricket. There's still a lot of experience there, a lot of know-how. I think it's worth keeping that kind of quality around the dressing room. Same with Hartley as well. Like, not a world-leading spinner at this point, but a very solid one. Absolutely worth holding on to. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out that for a son of the wash fight, you need something to work with. You need a dependable building block, just to give you something. And they're going to give you something across this season. Fran Wilson's been bad in the under the last couple of years. She needs to, needs to improve that. There's going to be a season where she needs to improve herself. Fine. Alex Hartley's just going to give you a solid spin option alongside Hayley Matthews. Those are two pretty good spin options, which are helpful. I just think you just need that kind of level of player in the 100. You need to have that level of player. And I think being them off because maybe they're not quite the stars there. When you think of also the amount of quality that's going to be in that bracket of round six and round eight. But there's just good leading players that you can get there, which are going to add a lot of value. In terms of the other players that we could consider, I mean, I think I, I love Claire Nicholas personally. I think at 36 years of age, you can probably get her later on in the draft. I think you're fine with not retaining her. Katie George has been too injured to keep around, I think. The last couple of years hasn't bowled a great deal. So I get that. Maybe the only the other issues are Rachel Haynes and Annabelle Sutherland, but Rachel Haynes is kind of 36. I wonder if they go for a kind of a premium couple of overseas players in that top spot, maybe Annabelle Sutherland. But again, I'm kind of interested in letting the overseas players play themselves out uh, in those first couple of rounds and seeing where we are um, at that point. So I, I think that's kind of where we're at. 
How are you feeling about the Welsh Fire women's side knowing we've locked in those those four players? I feel like this is not necessarily the strongest group of four players that we will see in these retentions, but perhaps most excitingly, what this is, is a really big chance for the Welsh Fire to assemble a genuinely competitive team for the first time in this competition because they haven't really been at the races for the last two seasons. That's been a real shame. I feel like well, we don't entirely know how the recruitment system works because it was all an open market behind closed doors, simple as coaches approaching players, more or less, which is all well and good, but it doesn't necessarily make for the most balanced teams as the last couple of seasons have perhaps demonstrated. Now, with the draft, we might get something more competitive. This is a massive opportunity for the Welsh Fire to catch up, and I think it's a really exciting time for them. I think if they draft well, go into this with a good strategy, pick up a couple of gun marquee players in the first couple of rounds, this could be looking like a really good unit. Yeah, and I think let's not spoil what we're talking about in the future, but in terms of the Southern Brave, they've got to make decisions between keeping Dunkley, Wyatt, Amanda Jake Wellington, Lauren Bell, Maya Boucher, Freya Kemp, and Yashropsolves from Etting Mandana. At some point, you have to let some of those players go, and they are going to be available for the Welsh Fire. And I think if you have those kind of premium draft slots like they do, they have the top two rounds available, they have round five, bell, round seven available. According to the retentions that we have, that gives them the first overall pick, what we predict will be the eighth overall pick, and what we predict will be the 12th overall pick with retentions included. That, that does mean that there will be some kind of premium players you would think available given the amount of players that are going to have to leave their current franchises. I think, again, similar story to the men's side. There are pieces you have here that can work. You can work with this, but you need to nail those marquee picks. You need to bring in some star quality alongside Hayley Matthews. You probably need a great quick, great all-rounder, dominant batter. That's the way I see this. Yeah, 100%. I think I look at the retentions that we've penciled in for them here. Big gap, no frontline seamer. That's somewhere that you can really swoop in. Maybe the first pick is where they address that. And there's going to be lots of really high-quality ones on the market in this draft. So I think if they get those first picks right, then this could be a really good team for them. If they don't get those first picks right, then it's going to be a missed opportunity. And I think they'll be playing catch-up again. One player that we didn't mention from the Southern Brave, who I think is going to be in conversation potentially, that first overall pick because I don't think they'll be able to keep her keeping on Talia McGraw. Um, there's lots of these great international players that are going to be available. I'm kind of looking through the list that we're predicting, and there are some real studs here. And you've got to remember Australian women's cricket is so good, in fact, that you know that there are plenty of really good overseas players. I mean, I've got a list here of 25, and I could add a load more of really quality players that I think could contribute in the hundred. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting one for draft dynamics, and we'll get onto that soon. But I do think there's going to be talent out there. I, From what I'm predicting, I think they can add three marquee players to that team, and I think it's perfectly possible that they can turn this around. It might not be this year, but I do think this, this can be turned around. 100%, 100%. This is a huge, huge opportunity for them, and if they get this right, they could be a really competitive side. So this is the team that needed this the most. Thank you very much for listening to our Welsh Fire Retentions podcast. We'll have a, 
episode for every single team heading up to the retentions deadline on the 16th of February. If you have any questions you want to ask us about the retentions, let us know. Tweet us at Podcast 100. All of our stuff goes on there, so give us a follow. And you'll find all of the rest of our episodes on our podcast feed. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. We'll speak to you next time. Thank you.